Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. I'm super excited to introduce my guest today. He is an amazing airborne videographer, so he's got this amazing career. You know, when you see all those aerial shots of the Super Bowl and the the uh, NFL games, chances are really good that my guest has shot that footage. So he's just really got this exciting life. He films some of the best shows on television, including The Deadliest Catch, which he's won four Emmys for. He's also filmed Survivor, which he was uh, Emmy nominated this year for. And he's filmed tons of other shows, including Celebrity Apprentice, American Idol, Entourage, Amazing Race. You name it, I could go on and on and on. He has also shot many feature films, including James Bond, The World Is Not Enough. He has two books and a documentary series coming out in 2018 that chronicle his life. So it is my honor and privilege to introduce David Allen Arnold. Wow, that brought a tear to my eye. Hey, Dave. <laughs> you like that? I got emotional when you said all of that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Great. Great. Well, I before I get into kind of the meat and potatoes of what I want to ask you today, I got I I just got to tell my listeners that Dave he films one, well, two of my favorite shows on television, which are the Housewives of Orange County and Housewives of Beverly Hills, right? Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people, uh, I'm a, a news junkie, so I watch a ton of news and really keep up on that. So it's kind of like my brain has two speeds, news and what I call cotton candy for the brain, which is the housewives. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So I got to ask you about that. What is it like to film these crazy women? Well, thank you. We we make cotton candy. <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, I think what surprises people a lot is uh, I watch those shows. So I watch every show that I work on. And the housewives shows are interesting because... At some point when I meet people, we'll be talking and they might ask what I do. And if I start to mention any of the shows, usually somewhere in another room in the house somewhere, a woman will just start screaming because from down the hallway, she heard Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And then it is unbelievable. I could tell them I do Deadliest Catch. I do Super Bowl. I do World Series. No big deal. But the second they hear that I fly over the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, they freak out. <laughs> yeah, two different audiences. That is so true. Right. I, I could care less about the Deadliest Catch and NFL games. Although uh, you do, you've also filmed the um, Major League Baseball, right? The, the World Series. Exactly. So I do care about that. That's, that's very cool. Very cool. Well, I, it's, it's interesting. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills I've shot since it began. And in book one, I tell the story of flying over the housewives of Beverly Hills for the first time. And it was amazing. We've shoot, you know, people's homes for different shows. In fact, we had already done the Real Housewives of Orange County because that was first. And we had never had an experience like we had on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because some of these women are billionaires. Like Lisa Vanderpump, right? Like Lisa, Lisa Vanderpump. 
And when you're flying over her estate in Beverly Hills, she has people who will uh, track you down. <laughs> so we're, we're flying over the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And all of a sudden, we got a call that you have to leave the airspace immediately. And wow. it was basically wow. their, their neighborhood watch had seen the helicopter and that's how their neighborhood is. Had seen the helicopter, identified it, tracked down the owner and called through another channel to get us to leave the area <laughs> because they don't they don't allow anyone to fly over their 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 homes. So that was different. And in the book, I talk about a very surreal experience. We had flown over. Lisa Vanderpump's neighborhood. And in the world of Los Angeles, it's very strange to look down and see acreage because real estate in LA is so expensive. To see a, an estate that sprawls over um, is almost a neighborhood unto itself is very unique. And uh, so that was pretty spectacular. And then we went to another home and we looked down on it. And I go, wow, this house is even bigger than those were. And the director and the creator of the show is flying with us. And he said, Dave, pan to the right. You're shooting the guest house. Oh, my God. And I go, what? <laughs> so I, I panned the camera over and I found the main house. And basically, it was an entire mountain in Malibu. That was their property. And I didn't know who was on the show. And so I, I said, who lives here? And he said something to the effect of, well, that's what 14 years in prime time will get you. And it was, uh, oh, who was it? It was, uh, uh, she was only on for a couple of years. Oh, Maloof. No, not the Maloofs. No, it was, her husband was a big, big star. Done lots of movies and he was on Cheers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, boy, now I'm drawing blank. Yeah, she was, she was married to Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey uh, uh, what was her first name? So, yeah. Um, I have to rely gosh, on you it. for the name of the housewife. Yeah. <laughs> I can see her in my mind, but yeah, but yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, no, she had a huge property. Uh, yeah, that that's incredible. That was a very unique experience to to see their world. And I, I think, at least for me, because I have to watch every show that I work on, I want to I wanna see how they use our shots and uh, if there's anything I can do better. And so I'm watching this show. And for me, watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I was fascinated because they're so – they're humans. But the way they live is so different from my life. It, it was really uh, spectacular. It's really interesting. I can only imagine. I, I, well, when they film like the their closets and things like that, like, you know, are, are you actually like in their closet then? I mean, or the, any of the cameramen? Obviously, they must be, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, they, you know, they're giving access. And I think that was, to me, I thought it was one of the most interesting things is if they're filming the Real Housewives in other places, it's, you know, it's a documentary and there's camera crews running through their homes and things. But some of the women on Beverly Hills are billionaires. So if you're a billionaire, I think you pretty much get your way all day long every day. And you're not accustomed to being told, well, uh, we need you to walk through that door again because we didn't get the shot or we need you to call this person so we have a, a scene that we can create for the to tell the story of what just happened. You know, and they're not used to that kind of of uh, getting ordered around and stuff. So it, it must be pretty interesting to uh, <laughs> to be a fly on the wall when that stuff's going on. 
I can't even imagine. I mean, there's seriously, that's that's crazy. Well, hopefully for your sake, they don't have like snipers ready to shoot you down when you're flying over some of these billionaire estates. Oh my god. I don't know about snipers, but they're very, they're very. Some of them are very powerful, influential people, and it's the only show that that I've ever been, you know, ordered out of the sky over their house. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. Well, that's just so incredible. And in fact, some of the stuff that you do, like with uh, Deadliest Catch and all of that, you know, that just must be really scary. So, what's like? Um, What's like your scariest moment you've had? And I imagine it shows like that where you're over water and you're in the air or something. Maybe, maybe not. Just curious. Well, I've been doing this for 23 years and I was told almost on day one, 23 years ago, that not many men make a long career out of this. Really? Yeah, it's very dangerous. And uh, so now I've made a long career out of it. And I've had many close calls. And in in fact, my uh, book one begins with a helicopter crash that I was in. And in fact, there was a point in my career where everyone thought I was dead. Everyone thought I had been killed in a helicopter crash. And that's how the first book ends. And it's a very, for me, a very emotional story. Because um, one of my best friends on earth was killed in that, in that helicopter crash. And in book one, you get to see him a lot. He's a, a really funny person. He's, a, he's just one hell of a character and, and the nicest guy I ever met in all my life. And he was killed in that accident. And so in the end of the book, the story is in there. Um, you know, I spoke at his funeral. And a journalist called and he said, hey, Dave, I, I want to go with you to Deadliest Catch and I want to film you and take pictures and do a, do a, a magazine article on, on your work up there. And I said, oh, OK, no problem. We're going to have to bring you up and put you in a, a underwater crash survival class. And he goes, underwater crash? What? And I, I explained to him what we do on Deadliest Catch and how perilous it is. And I could just hear the enthusiasm draining out of his voice. And he said, I, I don't know if I want to go. And I said, oh, OK, no problem. And then so now we're just sitting on the phone and it gets kind of quiet for a minute. <laughs> and he says, why do you do this? And the answer to that question really is, I think, a very important part of my life. And I, I never gave it much thought until I wrote the books. But I think that I believe that humans are made for adventure. And I don't believe that we're built for cubicles. I believe we are, we are built to take risks and to face dangers and to do things that have meaning to us. And I'm probably not answering your question, but I I just think that it's it's important to to embrace adventure. Well, I so that accident. So you weren't in that accident, or you were in that accident that your friend was killed. No, I wasn't. But he and I flew together so often that everyone just assumed that when when he crashed and was killed, everyone just assumed that I was with him and that I was also killed. 
Oh, well, that is just tragic. I, I, boy, you just don't realize how dangerous that that could be. Yeah, it, it's um, it's the worst phone call that I ever got. Wow. Well, I'm really sorry to hear that. That is unbelievable. I mean, it, thank you. I, cer- it was certainly painful for me to lose my friend, but I also have a belief that that by living a life of adventure, that he lived more than some men ever will. And I do miss him and I, I love him, but I'm not sad for him for that reason. I'm, I'm glad that he, he did what he wanted to do in life. Well, you know, you hear what's coming to mind is all those accidents that have increased this year, the military aircraft. I'm sure you've been hearing about a lot of the aircraft with the, um, we just had one recently lost three, you know, I think, I think two Navy guys and a Marine, uh, or vice versa, but that was all this year. And they were talking about how it's up because our, our, I guess, because our military, some of the planes, they're using parts literally from the 1960s. So, um, that's obviously some money's got to be spent to update all those things. But regardless, it's still a, a risk every time, you know, they're out there, you know, serving our country. Well, it, it is never going to be perfectly safe. And, Although I regret the loss and I, I feel bad when I hear about an accident, I also believe that, that it's important to take risks. It's important to you know fight for your country if that's what you do. And I think if you have a dangerous job, I, th- I think you can make a career out of it. Mm. Well, what is uh, – now, I know you have a little boy. Do you – I mean, is that something that you would – want your son to do? Uh, just curious. Um, I want my son to live a good life and I want him to get everything that he can out of this life. And I think that it's important for us as parents to show our children how to live. Telling them how to live doesn't work. They're, they're going to do what you do. And if you, if you're willing to take a risk if you're willing to accept a dangerous situation to do the right thing, then I think that they'll learn from that, and it's likely that they'll live in a very similar style. Well, that's well said, Dave. I definitely agree with you. I think a lot of people will tell their kids to do X, Y, and Z, but then they do A, B, and C themselves. And you're right; they're going to they're going to emulate exactly what what we do. Well, and I. I also, that's very important to me is uh, parenting. And I believe that the first thing, the one thing that you can do that teaches your children everything about life is to love them. And my son is eight years old. In his life, I have never missed a day with him. And when I have him, we spend time together. So I've, I've never plopped him in front of a TV and said, here, watch this video and stay out of my hair. If, if he's watching television, we're watching television. And we had a funny conversation one day. <laughs> we're sitting in the truck and uh, he sits right next to me in our, in our big pickup truck because there's no back seat. So he's, he's sitting right next to my elbow. And he suddenly realizes that I know the names of his Pokemons. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, Dad, you know the Pokemons? And I did because he and I watch the Pokemon cartoons together. 
So I had heard the names a few times. And I, and I really think that if you want your child to be an astronaut, you know, it's, it's not a matter of putting them in math class. It really isn't. If you want them to be an astronaut, if you want them to reach for the stars, you love them. Spend time with them. And then they will have the confidence and they'll have the tools to, to face a mission like that. Yeah, I think, you know, people, uh, they, I, sometimes I always wonder why, uh, you know, kids, uh, people have kids if they're just going to, you know, plop them in front of the TV or always have a babysitter or a nanny or a au pair or something. And not not that there's wrong with anything, you know, having an, a nanny or so forth. But if, if you don't spend enough time with your kids, it's, you know, what's what's the point? Well, I'm, I'm no expert on parenting, but I, I believe that the, the two most important things that you can do for your children is to love them and to love their other parent. <laughs> Regardless, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I think that's that's what teaches them how to live and how to love. Yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, great advice and uh, sounds like you're a terrific parent. And I, I just, you know... No, I didn't. Go ahead, Dave. I know you're going to say something. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just laughing. Thank, thank you. You're very kind. By, by the way, I, wait, I have to say something. I don't listen to radio shows like normal people. All I listen to are podcasts. And so my little one has grown up with podcasts playing in the truck or wherever we are. Wow. And um, yours is my favorite podcast. Oh, my God. I don't believe that for one second. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's so good. I, I don't think you realize how good you are. And I just love it. I love the stories that you bring on. In fact, this morning I was listening to your show with that you did with Frank. I don't have, I don't know his last name. Yep, Shiner. Frank, uh-huh. I was listening Frank to your show Shiner. with Frank Shiner, and uh, I was starting to eat breakfast, and I said, "Hold on, to everything." And I reached over and I turned off the podcast because I didn't want to have any distractions. I didn't want to be eating breakfast and listening to Frank talk in the background because when I when I uh, listened to a show like that with someone that has such an amazing voice. I don't want to miss anything. I want to be really focused on what you guys are saying. Wow. That is, that is, wow. I am just totally honored by that. Well, Frank's amazing. Frank, I mean, his story is just, obviously you were, you were listening to it. He's just such a cool guy. And what I love about the podcast, um, you know, forum is really just being able to have really cool people like you and Frank and, and lots of other people out there, you know, really kind of bring y'all stories to just everybody, you know, sitting around eating their cereal and, and living their lives. You know, there's so much good advice out there. And sometimes people are only limited by, you know, the, the, the people they surround themselves with, and they may not have that opportunity otherwise to hear, you know, people with all these, these great, experiences, you know, give some great advice. So it's very cool. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always very curious because I know you're a top real estate agent and um, I'm always very curious about, you know, all the things that you know about real estate because I know you don't talk about, I haven't heard you talk about that on your show. I'm always very curious about that. And, and you, you, you know, my neighbor is facing foreclosure mm-hmm. and we're trying to deal with that to help him save his house. And that world is such a mystery to me of how they do financing for a house and all of the rules and the weird processes that they have. So I'm always very curious about what you do and all, all the things that you know about that stuff. I always, always want to hear more about it. 
<laughs> well, thanks. I mean, I, I totally enjoy selling real estate and I, I really enjoy working with so many different people. And really, I've studied over the years a lot about personality types, like anagrams. I don't know if you're familiar with the anagram. It's, it's been around since the 60s, at least in this country. It's been around longer than that. But anagram is like nine personality types. And it's a lot of people know the DISC, you know, the 16 DISC personality types. And they break it up into four quadrants, uh, not to get into t- uh, to the weeds too much, but the Enneagram personality types, and there's a lot of books out there that you can buy, but um, it's, it's a, it just breaks it down to a really easy way to actually understand how someone's brain works, how they're wired. And once you understand, oh, okay, this, this one is an eight, you know, which that's what I am. If you study the anagrams, or this is a four, this is a three, and there's labels. So, you know, and if you can look at all, look at all that up. But if you understand, oh, this is what I'm dealing with, then I can deal with you more like you on a, on a level that you understand better, more than maybe how I would normally try to present myself or just naturally present myself. I will, I will try to alter it to really, you know, best communicate with you. So it's, it's really helpful to, to see all these different people and be able to understand all those personality types. Uh, that, see, that's really fascinating to me because we're looking at my neighbor's foreclosure in his house and we're, we're all talking about the value of the house the amount that he owes, you know, we're looking at the, uh, the numbers and the math of it and the, like the physical property. And it, we'd probably get a little bit more progress if we looked at the humans involved and, and what they're all, you know, focused on what they're all interested in. That'd probably help us get more done. Well, they like the Enneagram, uh, personality, testing, they'll look at what motivates you. So like, you know, if you're, okay, I'm motivated by respect, or I'm motivated by, I just want to be happy, or I'm motivated by helping people. It depends on what motivates you as a person. And everybody's different. I mean, well, you can break them down into like in that, in that classification, nine different ones. And then once you understand that you can really, and, and it's good to understand yourself. If you, once you understand, oh, okay, this is, this is the good and bad of me. This is, you know, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. Then I can better myself when I understand what my weaknesses are just based on my sheer personality type. So it's, it's helpful for that too. So there's nine types of motivations. Well, the, the Enneagram personality testing is done, broken down into nine types of personalities. Okay. So, yeah, and then each one is motivated by a slightly different thing. And that's, and there's, you can look, up, look it up and you can do one of these tests and it'll, you know, you can figure out what you are. Usually most people, if they're reading it, they pretty quickly understand, oh, that's me. That's, that's my, t- that's what, you know, what I'm about and how, what I, how I think. So it, it can help you about your own self-discovery as well as helping you with dealing with other people the most effective way. Okay. So you, do you just Google Enneagram? Is that how you find that? Yeah. And I think it's a, it's either E or A. I can't uh, off the top of my head because it's been a while since I've read the books, but it's like, e, yeah, en- Enneagram. If you Google it, even if you misspell it, you'll be able to find it and you can type in nine personalities nine personality types, you'll easily be, there's tons of stuff out there on it. Very cool. So you have to do it and then tell me that you did it and, and tell me what you are. I suspect I know what you are, but, uh, but you'll, I'll, I'll let you figure it out and then, then we'll talk again. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that would probably help me to deal with people better if I knew that. 
I don't think you have any problem dealing with anybody, Dave. <laughs> oh, you, you'd be surprised. I have uh, a story very early in my first book where one of my best friends on earth realized exactly how smart I am. And he was infuriated. He's, he was actually embarrassed when he saw this story in the book because he and his wife had a big fight over it because I, I, I could hear them and they were arguing back and forth. And she basically told him, you, you be quiet. You be nice to Dave. And he goes, I'm not going to be nice to him. He's an idiot. And don't get me wrong. He is one of my best friends. And I'm very lucky because he's in the book a lot. Usually looking at a problem that I'm facing and giving me an, an, an idea that I never would have thought of to how to approach it. And But that was the day that he figured out exactly how far my brain power goes. And it's not very far. And so honestly, the, the key to my success is um, really that I'm open to uh, help from other people. And most of the, the really big things that I've accomplished really were only possible because I had so much help from the people around me and I, I was willing to uh, embrace it. Well, your story, I do know, is a true story of persistence, the power of persistence, because I know you started off sweeping the floor. So tell us about that a little bit, you know, how you got to where you are today. Well, it's, it's funny how you talk about the different personality types and how that can be important in a real estate business mm -hmm. where you, you might think, well, the important thing is real estate. You got to know the, the value of things and stuff. But I think what you are getting at is, is how critical it is to understand the people and how to deal with them in the real estate business. In, in my business, I was hired off of the street with no experience and no technical skills. And I learned years later that the reason they hired me was in spite of the fact that I didn't have any skills. And this was a very technical job to work on these helicopter cameras. But they hired me, even though I didn't know anything about them, because they liked my attitude. And I think uh, I started sweeping the floor. And one day I swept the floor all night long. So when, when the bosses came in the next day, they didn't recognize the place because it had been cleaned like it had never been cleaned before. And everything was neat and organized. They had never seen the shop that way. <laughs> and, uh, and so my boss at the time, he, he pointed at me and he said, you're going with me on my next shoot. And I think that my willingness to work hard without complaint was one of the keys to my success. And that's a very simple thing. You don't have to go to college to get that. You know, it, what my experience taught me is that if you can do a good job sweeping the floor, they'll let you do just about anything because that's actually hard to find. You know, someone who will, will do even a dirty job without complaint. And, you know, I went from there, I worked on all the, the big Hollywood movies and uh, all the biggest TV shows. 
And it's funny how those simple things are valued so much over time in places where you would think, well, you, you must have to be the smartest guy in the room to get that job. But I've, I've found that it's the opposite. The smartest guy in the room usually is a big pain in the ass. And it's, it's almost like you, you just almost need the nicest guy in the room uh, who can do the work and get along with everyone. And I have had shows where they specifically hired me and they've fired other people simply because I get along with everyone and do a good job, but I'm, I'm nice to everyone and I don't complain. And if there's a problem, I don't make it bigger. I just focus on making it work and making everyone happy. And those are simple skills. That's, those are not uh, in, intelligent things. Those are, those are basic, really small small values. And if, if you bring that into any room, then, you know, the people in that room will probably want to take you with them in the next room. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that what you just were, were talking about should not be understated because that is something work hard without complaint, which is what you just said, that, that advice right there is sounds so basic, so simple, but you're right. It's really hard to find where we, you know, people love to complain. And in fact, what you also said about how people will hire you just because, Hey, this is, uh, this guy gets along with people. He works really hard. He doesn't complain. I know myself when I'm, I'm submitting an offer. I just had a, an example. In fact, I had three offers that came in on a property that I had a buyer for. And so mine was just one of three contracts that the listing agent and the seller were going to be reviewing and considering. And the agent told me that after I found out that my client got the offer accepted, the agent told me, look, I told the seller is that your, she told me your, your offer was basically the same as one of the other two offers and they were better than the third offer. But she said, I told the seller, let's go with this agent because this agent's a great agent. She gets it done. She's got a great team and they, you know, I don't, we don't complain. We just get the work done. And if there's a problem, we find a solution. So it's not to say that I'm always, you know, uh, uh, miss miss nice guy kind of because I do have a pit bull side <laughs> that will come out you know like I say sometimes uh, I do bite but I mean it's like I really reserve it I, I'm really super cool super nice I try really hard just to find solutions to the problems as they arise and and in fact I think that's a skill in of itself that if you just look for the solution and you just assume that there is a solution you just got to find it if that's the way you roll, you're going to, you're going to be successful. There's no doubt about it. But you know, there are times when people, if, if they lie, if I catch somebody lying to me or being, you know, dishonest about something, I, that really, that gets the pit bull to come out. <laughs> and it's not pretty. I can be quite the, uh, I can have quite the mouth. <laughs> so. oh, that's, that's a good thing. I, I actually, I think you have the best call sign in the world of podcasting. I love the name of your show. <laughs> well, good. Glad Pitbull you like Patty it. Pitbull Patty is the best. And, and, and also, there's only one Pitbull Patty. <laughs> I mean, that, like I said, I think I told you, I mean, it's, it's something my clients have called me over the years when they've seen that side of me. But, you know, 
you know, or they've seen me, you know, not necessarily against them, but just, you know, against maybe somebody that's doing something and I call them out on it. But, you know, hey, that's that's part of embracing yourself and knowing your personality type and knowing how to temper yourself, right? So that you stay cool. <laughs> Don't get too crazy, right? But enough about me, Dave. So what your advice is, I just think really is, it needs to be said again, to, to work hard without complaint is something that I think people, it's, it's, it's lacking in this country, in this world. I think people need to suck it up and get their work done. You know what I mean? And then, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen and you're going to have good things happen if you, you know, work hard. Yeah. And I, I think that it's, it's important for people like us who've had a career and, you know, lived life to share our stories with the next generation because I hear so many bad things about the next generation. Oh, they're lazy. They're entitled. They don't know how to work. They don't this. They don't that. I completely disagree. I have a very strong belief in the next generation and I think they are no better and no worse than our generation. And I really believe in them. I think this is a great time to be alive. And I think that the next generation can be every bit as good as the last one. And so I, I think it's very important for them to hear experiences, you know, like ours of people who have had a successful career and, and lived a life and to know that they can do it too. And I, to me, that's just very important is, is to, to boost up the next generation, not, not put them down and complain about what's wrong with them. It's, I, I really believe in them. And I think it's, it's important for them to, to embrace life, you know, as, as fully as they can. Well, you know, that's really encouraging. And in fact, uh, I have to say, you're, that's probably the first time I've heard uh, someone say something really nice about millennials <laughs> is what you just said, you know, and the, and the upcoming generations that, you know, that they'll, that they're willing to work hard. They're not just going to, you know, be lazy and live in the basement for the rest of their life and live off of mom and dad, you know? So I, I really like that you, uh, you know, cause it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we keep telling the millennials, you know, that you're, they're lazy, well, they'll probably be lazy. I think their problems are no more or no less than ours. And I think it's very important for them to see a story like mine and to hear what I did wrong and to hear, you know, what's wrong with me, the things that I don't have. You know, if, if I'm, if I'm an idiot, like my best friend says, then they can know, oh, okay. So if, if I'm not the best at something, that's okay. I can still do this. I, I could still be on the set of the biggest movie or the biggest show. I, I could still be doing the top real estate deal in uh, Maryland. You know, it, it doesn't matter if, if I don't quite have this or don't quite have that, because as long as I do these other things and as long as I uh, accept help from other people, I can do anything. Well, what would your, and you know, I'm going to ask you this because you, you've listened to my podcast. What is the best advice someone's given you? ever. The best advice that someone's given me, when I started in this business 23 years ago, the guy that hired me off the street, uh, his name is Ed Silva. And he gave me my first big break that led to my career. And he told me right away, he said, I expect you to screw up. 
And he said, the mark of a professional is don't screw up the same way twice. (laughs) I love it. In other words, learn from your mistake and make an effort and a change so that you never do that again. And he said, that's what I expect from you. It's not perfection. I expect you to deal with your mistakes. Mm, Well, that is very profound. I think a lot of times people have worried so much about making mistakes and being perfect that they don't do anything because they don't, they're afraid they're not going to get it right. So it's important. Well, my, my book really is a story of mistakes and miracles. I cannot wait to read it. I think it's going to be so exciting uh, to, to, you know, that's going to be like May, I think, right? About? Yeah, I want book one and book two out by Memorial Day 2018. And it's going to be a grassroots effort because, you know, I'm I'm working on improving uh, safety at school bus stops. And I'm going to need a lot of help to do that. And that's really the focus of, of these two books. You'll hear a lot of stories of flying helicopters and and adventures around the world, life and death situations. But the reality is, is I, I'm doing all of this and I wrote these books because I saw something very dangerous at a school bus stop. And when I challenged the authorities on it, they just laughed at me. Wow. I'm going to have to, you're going to have to come on and the whole episode talk about that subject because I know you're very passionate about it. I know you do a lot of volunteer efforts and and that in particular really, um, not that that's volunteer, I guess, but it, it, I mean, well, I guess it is, but I know you're very passionate and I want to make sure that you get, you know, if you want, if you can come on next spring and, uh, yeah, and and really share kind of all the details about what because you're doing a documentary too, right, on that subject. Yeah, I've I've written two books. I have a third and a fourth book in the works. We filmed a documentary. We have two t- TV series that are coming because of what happened when I encountered a problem at a school bus stop, and one thing led to another. And uh, I like to think that the books themselves and the series themselves are going to cause a happy ending uh, at our school bus stop. I would love to come back. would love to talk to you some more. And, and uh, I'll be listening to every episode. I just love your show. Well, thank you so much, Dave. And I, before I let you go, because I know we're, we're running long and I'm not going to do a my take because to be honest with you, I've been doing my take at the end of my shows, but you said it so well. I think your advice about, um, well, your, your life example of, of persistence and hard work right there is the best thing that, you know, anybody can take away if you ask me, but also your advice of work hard and, and don't complain is, is such great advice. But before I let you go, I got to ask you kind of what is one of your, if you could share one of your daily habits that really contribute to your success that you feel like is somebody, you know, something that somebody could really maybe do like you do. One of the unique things that I do is I pray every day and I actually get down on the floor on my hands and knees. I've, I probably look like a Muslim in a mosque. I, <laughs> I get down uh, on my hands and knees and I put my little head down and I ask for help. So I pray every single day and I, ex- I accept that there are things that are wrong with me, that I am an idiot sometimes and that I make mistakes and I ask for help to do it anyway. 
Well, that that's beautiful. That is really, and that's old school to get down on your knees and pray. I mean, I I always do the like the prayers of gratitude every morning, but I'm laying in my bed. I don't, I don't. <laughs> so I that's very commendable. I, I think that's something that boy, if more people did that, we'd be in a much better world for sure. It's a humbling thing. You know, everyone talks about, oh, everyone's so rude and nasty on Facebook and they're talking politics. Well, if they were just a little bit more humble, they wouldn't be so mean to people that disagree with them. And, you know, getting on your knees and praying is is uh, an admission that I don't have all the answers. I'm not always right. I don't know everything. And I need help to get through tomorrow. Well, that's terrific. And I just really want to thank you, Dave, for uh, for being on this episode. I think people will get so much out of it. And please tell tell us how, again, how we can find you so that people can look you up and see all your amazing photography, for one thing. In fact, I have to say, Dave has amazing photography on his Instagram. Thank you very much. I've gotten a lot of interesting feedback on Instagram. Because of the school bus stop, uh, I started taking pictures at work, which I had never done before. And over the past three years, I took 30,000 pictures uh, at work. And so they're, they're on Instagram. You can see some of them. And that actually led to the coffee table book that's coming because uh, one of my bosses said, Dave, I, I'm following your Instagram account and I've never seen pictures like that anywhere. And that all, that all started because of the school bus stop. You know, I, I never had a reason to, to capture behind the scenes at, at my office. And you can see that on Instagram. My Instagram call sign is at Airborne Camera. And you spell airborne with an E, A-I-R-B-O-R-N-E, camera. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. There's a lot of interesting pictures and videos there. Uh, and I'm at David Allen Arnold. Uh, and that's my middle name is A-L-A-N. So David Allen Arnold on Twitter and Facebook. Same thing, David Allen Arnold. Well, I can't wait to read your books and watch the documentary, the film. I just, so 2018 sounds like it's going to be a very exciting year for you. And I just can't say enough how much I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. And this wraps up this episode. I am so excited. Uh, <laughs> so if you, so just make sure you go check out David Allen Arnold, you know, take time to make a plan for your life. Don't forget to do that because if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So we'll see you next time. Thank you.